Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 21 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies. I hope you're not tired of hearing mercy. It's by mercy and grace we're saved. So if we ever get tired of hearing mercy and grace, then we must be tired of being saved. Mercy and grace is still shouting subjects. Amen. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Somebody look at your neighbor tonight and say, Every morning. Every morning. Great is... Thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Continuing in verse 24, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope. Somebody shout hope. In Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. To the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I want to preach for just a little while tonight on this subject. I still have hope. Anybody have any hope in this building tonight? Why don't you lift your your voice and your hands to heaven and agree with me in Jesus' name. Father God, I love you, and I thank you, God, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that I feel in my spirit right now. Jesus... We're asking you, God, to impart into this congregation tonight a spirit of hope. Lord, we're not not sad tonight. We're not downtrodden this evening. Lord, the enemy doesn't have us underfoot. God, there's still hope in this building. There's still hope in our spirits. There's still hope in our minds. Help us by your word, your spirit, and your power. In Jesus' name, we'll give you the praise. Somebody shout amen. Amen. I want you to turn to two or three people tonight, shake their hand with a smile and tell them I've got hope. You might throw that word still in there somewhere. I still have hope. Some of you could proclaim that you had hope. I've come to proclaim tonight that I've still got hope. Amen. Jeremiah is not the most pleasant of subjects to discuss. He's known as the weeping prophet. uh, Simply because his duty and call of God, his anointing of God was uh, to say those things that were not necessarily so pleasant. Uh, He wasn't uh, the well accepted one. Uh, He might have been in, in just my own way of speaking the, the Apostle Paul of the Old Testament. Uh, you know, we, we like to talk about the Apostle Paul, and we, we like to talk about how great he was, but uh, honestly, if he was standing right in front of us pointing his bony finger in our face, 
saying some of the things he did write about, we wouldn't like it too much. He was a very forward character, and uh, he, he didn't care to, to lay it right where it needed to be. Jeremiah was similar to that. The first 20 verses of Lamentations 3 are replete with the continual flow of emotions from Jeremiah. He wrote in Jeremiah 20 and 9 that his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. But now he seems like he's forever and a day away from that. That, that sentiment is long gone. He's, he's a long way away from the pomp and circumstance of godly fire. Now he seems to just be in the, the low of the low of the low of the low of the low. Uh, Jeremiah's in the darkness of his life now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's easy to proclaim God in the middle of revival. It's not as easy to proclaim God and have that same mindset when you're in the middle of affliction. In a similar set of statements, the psalmist David wrote in Psalm 102 verse 1, a prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee both in this writing of David and the writings from Jeremiah, they are written with much feeling and with much emotion. In Lamentations 3, the prophet fluently complains about his plight. Let me just say, this isn't in my notes this evening, but let me say at the onset of this message, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to be careful about dealing with your feelings and your emotions. Just because you feel a certain way, doesn't mean you're right. Amen. Just because you feel like that person 40 feet from you whispering in somebody's ear, staring at you, is talking about you, doesn't mean they are. Uh, feelings and emotions can lie. Uh, facts never lie. But feelings and emotions can lead you astray. Uh, I, I can feel at the low, but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily there. I, I can feel like nobody loves me, but that doesn't mean that that's true. I, I can feel like God isn't with me, but that doesn't mean he's not there. Feelings and emotions, you must be careful about them because they are just simply that. They're feelings and emotions. We've all got them. We, we need to deal with them. And they're not always wrong, but we've got to be careful. Because sometimes they make a, the picture be painted with a little more skew of darkness than it really is. So Jeremiah in Lamentations, he is fluently complaining. If you want to understand the language of complaint, he was fluent in it. He complains, number one, that God is angry. His feelings from the very beginning of his complaint give birth to bitterness in his affliction. For in verse number 1 he says, I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He singles himself out. It's in the singular. He says, I am the man. 
One of the first things the enemy's going to teach you or try to convince you of is that when he's trying to explain to you that God is angry with you or that God has forsaken you or that God is done with you and has written you off is he wants to isolate you to make you feel like you are the only one that has ever felt this way. But let me tell somebody tonight, you're not alone. You're not the only one that's ever been down. Our God God is still God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, before you you prejudge where I'm going, I hope the title speaks for itself, but we've got to go through the dark content first. All right, so I don't want that to just destroy anybody's hope. The second complaint that Jeremiah has is that he is at a loss and is altogether in the dark. For in verse number 2 he writes, He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Verse number 6 he writes, He hath set me in darkness as they that be dead of old. He then complains that God appears against him as an enemy. God had at one time surely been for him, But now Jeremiah is grieving. Now Jeremiah feels alone. Now Jeremiah feels forsaken and says, Surely against me he is turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. If God's hand was continually turned against us, we would begin to believe that his heart was also turned against us. If we base our position with God solely off of what we feel. It's important to worship. You can say amen to that again. It's important to worship. Worship includes feelings. Worship includes emotions. But feeling and emotion are not worship. So we need to understand tonight that the kick of the drums and the beat of the cymbal and the plucking of of other strings according to the word of God, they're all scriptural. And singing songs and hymns and praises to God, all scriptural. But Brother Terry, it's possible. And as a musician, I've been there. It's possible to be in an apostolic church service and feel the kick of the drums and the beat of the piano and the plucking of the bass and not feel God. Brother DePriest, you know what I'm talking about. It's possible, especially for us musicians, to play music and just feel good. But that feeling isn't worship. Worship includes feelings. But feeling is not worship. So we cannot base our position with God solely off of what we feel. That's why you need a Word of God experience. That's why you need a Holy Ghost experience. That's why you don't need to leave church till you've talked in tongues. That's why you need a baptism in Jesus' name experience with Almighty God that when the music stops, I can still keep dancing. When the music stops, I can still keep worshiping God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Woo, it's hot. Somebody shout, I still have hope. So our deliverance 
cannot be gauged by how high we jump. Our deliverance cannot be gauged by how loud we shout. Our deliverance cannot be gauged by how often we talk in tongues. But that should not stop us from jumping. Woo, hang with me now. That should not stop us from shouting. That should not stop us from talking in tongues. That should not stop our baptismal waters from being stirred. That should not stop us from laying on of hands and seeing people delivered. That may not be an indicator of my salvation, but it is an indicator of Jehovah God. I'm about to have a fit. I may not be able to put a thermometer reading by my work's sake, but I know by works God is manifest in my life and in your life. I still have hope. I still have hope. Our deliverance cannot be gauged by our emotion. And let me break that down just by saying this. Just because you don't feel good doesn't mean God's not delivered you. Too often, we wait for a shout-out service to proclaim that God is delivered simply because we've spent much time shouting much time praising and much time feeling emotion and much time feeling a, a lot of feelings in God. But our deliverance must be gauged by faith in His power and by faith in His Word. My faith isn't built by music. My faith isn't built by the song. I may be inspired by it. But my faith is not built by it. For the Bible tells me that by faith, my faith is increased by the Word of God. It's the preached Word of God. It's the teaching Word of God in my life that makes it real and gives me an opportunity for application that I can take my worship. Yeah, I'm going to feel good, but it's going to be true and divine worship before God. Our deliverance cannot be gauged by us getting what we want. Lost you on that one. Flesh kicked in. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Our deliverance cannot be gauged by us getting what we want. Nor can we say we haven't received deliverance because we didn't get what we want. Let me tell you something, in this hour, there's a lot of people that want favor of God without sacrifice. Hear me, church leaders. You're not going to get favor of God without sacrifice. Yeah, I feel qualified to talk about sacrifice. I'm not going to, but I could. Sacrifice is whenever you don't want to do it. Sacrifice is the moment of inconvenience. And you, well, I had plans. Yeah, the call of God said, I have plans. You want deliverance? Mm. Sacrifice. You want deliverance? Gauge it by your work. Don't gauge it by your excuse. Yeah, this isn't in my notes. Just let me feel my way tonight. 
Our deliverance cannot be gauged by just the things we see. For the Bible simply declares that we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, it does. And our deliverance cannot, why are you talking about deliverance tonight? Because we need deliverance. We are in an hour where we need deliverance. And the moment where we think we don't need deliverance, that's the moment we need it the worst. I really don't know what pastor preached this morning. I was in class teaching, and, and, and it's, uh, if you can just imagine, uh, if, if you think it's, it's loud out here, sit in there for a little bit. <laughs> Thin walls. So, you know, you're, you're kind of competing with each other. So I'm raising my voice to get my point across, and I don't have a clue what he's saying. I've heard bits and pieces of it, and I think I can declare this tonight in, in accordance with what he said, that this is not any hour for us to stop. And if you're looking for an easier way, you've come too far to start that. We need deliverance. When I, when I can flip through Twitter and Facebook and see men of God that I used to just absolutely love and idolize, letting go of all the truths of the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a time for us to loosen our grip. You need to get a bulldog grip on holiness. You need to get a bulldog grip on Jesus' name, baptism, and know that there is only one way to God. The Bible declares there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is not an hour to stop. But if Satan is allowed, Oh, I want to I resound it tonight like the voice of a thousand trumpets. If Satan is allowed to come into our midst, he will do so in the church through apathy, which is lack of concern. He will do so through mediocrity, which is half-heartedness. And he will do so with us feeling like our patty cake is good enough. Now, I'm off my notes right now, and I'm trying to get back. But if there is any wedge the devil can plant in your life tonight, it is not through blatant sin. It's not blatant sin. He knows we've got that one down pat. The devil isn't interested in getting you to backslide by looking at pornography. I think he's well beyond that. We're well beyond pornography now. We're well beyond, in most cases, adultery and fornication. Now we've gone to the era of omittance. If you have something, let me just give you just a basic math demonstration you have two somethings I've got two handkerchiefs right here and if you remove one I've omitted one I've removed it now I just have one let me tell you something the devil if you are not careful saints of God he will get you while you're in church because you see you don't backslide in the bar you don't backslide cussing 
You don't backslide smoking. You don't backslide snorting crack cocaine. You backslide on an apostolic pew. When the word of God no longer touches you. When grace no longer means anything to you. When seeing people buried in Jesus' name no longer excites you. You backslide when the devil can get you to omit the things in your life that are right. We've got to be careful in this hour. If you're Jesus name baptized and Holy Ghost filled, you need to be careful. You need to be careful thinking that your long skirts, long hair, and your jeans and t-shirts covers you up. And I'm not talking about from a holiness perspective. I'm talking about a spiritual perspective. You, we need to be careful thinking that when we've got that set that we're saved. Because holiness is an attitude. Holiness is a, is a heart. Standards and holiness are two separate things. And before you can ever get a standard of God right, let's worry about getting holiness of God right. Whether your standard's right or whether your standard's wrong makes no difference in the eyes of holiness. Holiness without, no man shall see God. We need to get our heart and our mind right with God. To do otherwise is simply self-righteousness. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It matters. We need to stop gauging each other. I feel the preacher in the house tonight. We need to stop gauging each other tonight on whether or not somebody on this side likes somebody's skirt on that side. Let me say it blunt because I'm not the pastor. Not that he wouldn't, he would. But as long as they're following what's being preached, let me get blunt here, okay? I'll give you a fair warning. It's none of your business. Is that all right? It's not your concern. You know what will tear up an apostolic church quicker than anything? Division. Bishop, I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't know when I felt like this before. You may have to settle me down. Let me tell you something about division when it creeps in the church. Division is flesh. Division is undeniable, unprayed, unfasted flesh. Division is when we put our opinion over God's word. And let me tell you what the Apostle Paul said about division. He didn't say God needed to remove it. He didn't say pray and fast about it. He said there are divisions among you and it's your responsibility as the church to remove the divisions. Self-righteousness will divide a church body. You want to destroy a worship service? Be self-righteous. Think you're better than everybody else. I know this is maybe maybe strong meat tonight. Forgive me. Uh, and this is not in my notes. I didn't come prepared to preach this way. 
But there, there is something in this hour and I can't put my fingers on it but there's something in this hour in this church there, there's something in the spirit in this church in this hour that we need to work out there's some divisions in this body that we need to work out I feel that in the Holy Ghost tonight you don't need to wait on prophecy. You don't need to wait on tongues and interpretation. We just need to get some good down-home hearted forgiveness in our heart and go to somebody and say, would you forgive me? <laughs> My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not looking back with a negative eye toward prophecy. I've still got hope. God's word is still real, and God will have a church. Well, I'm not doing what I thought I'd be doing. I didn't mean that for myself. Although I guess that is true. Preacher, I thought I'd be teaching a class. I thought I'd be doing such and such. Well, you know what? I don't know all the conditions over what you, you thought or what you think you should or shouldn't do. But as long as you're dwelling on it, you don't need to be doing it. As long as your heart's not right about it, you can't do it with anointing anyway. But I've still got hope. Look at your neighbor tonight and tell him I've still got hope. Jeremiah, let, let me try to move on. Divisions. We need to work them out. Let me tell you something about divisions. And I'm, I'm going to try to move on. Divisions do not annihilate themselves. We've got this feeling before. That if we've got divisions among us and we come in here and we have just a good, good old home-fashioned, old-fashioned service, and we're all just hugging and lovey-dovey and we're, 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 we're saying bless God and loving each other that after church it's over. Hogwash. Nothing's over until you reconcile. Feeling the Holy Ghost don't change the facts. Because there was a man who received it and turned around and said, let me pay money for this power. Receiving the Holy Ghost talking in tongues don't make you perfect. Now that goes two ways. You new people need to understand that that's all right. Well, I lost the old folks. You need to understand that just because you're baptized in Jesus' name and you're trying to walk with God and you don't have it all set up yet, you need to understand that's all right. As long as you're doing something. And you're making an effort and you're trying. That's all anybody can do because that's all we've been doing for years. And we that have been here, we're not so far removed from our sin. Lord, I haven't preached like this in years. You're not so far removed from your sin that you need to forget about who you were. We need not forget where God brought us from. Because there were some of you men, long-haired alcoholics. Drunk on rock and roll. And loving every minute of it. 
And when we come in the house of God and somebody preaches about grace, you need to be the first ones to stand up and say, Yes! 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 It's by grace I'm saved! God brought me out! God brought me out! God brought me out! I've still got hope! I've still got hope! I've still got hope! Jeremiah is sorely afflicted in both mind and body. He's in bad shape. Jeremiah's problem is not much different than ours. In the middle of our afflictions, we often only see our problems. I'm not condemning you for that, I'm just acknowledging it. In our flesh, we often only see our problems. We often only feel our pain. And oftentimes we only care about our situation. Jeremiah is disillusioned by his problems. So much that by his problem, he now thinks God is against him. Simply because, Brother Terry, things aren't going for him the way that he thinks they should go. I mean, he's been there. It's called life. Not trying to be crude or rude tonight. I've been there. It's called life. It, it, it oftentimes has nothing to do with God. I know that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. And believe it or not, it oftentimes has nothing to do with the devil. I, I, I'm, I'm not bishop. And if I'm wrong, the Lord will tell you, tell me, tell pastor, somebody. But I'm not one of these guys that thinks that there's a devil behind every bush with a rope in his hand tied off on the other side just waiting on you to walk through so he can pull it up and trip you. I believe that there is power in the enemy. He's not a god, but he does have power, but he has limited power. But I don't think he's behind every bush, and I don't think he's behind everything that goes wrong. I just don't. But we disillusion ourselves sometimes. That when things just aren't going right, because for some reason, and, and you know, I don't know who Murphy is. But I'm well acquainted with Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Somebody say amen. Murphy and I are, are more acquainted than what I'd like to be. I'd like to tell him to go away. He's a little bit of a pest. But sometimes it feels that way. And for some reason, it, it, it just seems in my life, in our life, it just feels like when things are going good, things are going good, but whenever it starts breaking, the, the, it's just... The floodgates open. This goes wrong, this goes wrong, that goes wrong, and they're one right after the other. That doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the devil. And that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with God. We need to understand... It's life. Because New Testament Scripture tells us that He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. I have personally even sat 
in the company of my pastor and my bishop as an unemployed, distraught father and looked them in the eyes and said, I don't understand. Almost in that tone. I don't understand why backsliders and sinners can get promoted left and right. And we scrap and try and do our best to be faithful to God and it seems like nothing works. That's a demonstration of Jeremiah's bitterness. He's disillusioned by his problems. I've been disillusioned. I use myself as an example. But I guarantee you we've all at some point been disillusioned by our problems. And if you've ever wondered that same thing as far as wondering why it seems that the world prospers and you're sometimes struggling, my answer to you to that tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is simply this. They may get their reward in this life. And if I've got to scrap and struggle, Brother Terry, to stay saved and live for God and do without some things, I'd rather make heaven my home. I'd rather see Jesus sitting on the throne. I'd rather bow at his feet and say, I'm going to spend eternity with you, Jesus, than to have a few pleasantries of this life. We cannot afford to be disillusioned in this hour. We need to focus on the promises of God. Jeremiah wasn't able to find any way of escape or deliverance. He felt as though he was surrounded by walls and bound with chains that are too heavy to carry. Ladies and gentlemen, sin will carry you. Sin will cause you to feel like the walls are caving in. Sin will cause you to feel like there's no way of escape. The chains of sin are heavy to your spirit and they make your daily walk feel more difficult than it should. But you say, Brother Mason, I'm not sinning. I go back to something I said earlier. We must realize that the sin of omission is just as lethal as the sin of permission. You come to church, and I hope you do, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Wednesday night, the right age group, you can come on Friday nights, or whichever group that may be, and you can do whatever you're asked to do, and you can serve God, and you can live for God, and you can even worship, and you can, you can pat your hands during the preaching, and you can say the occasional amen. You can be baptized in Jesus' name, and you can have the Holy Ghost. And you can still not make it to heaven. What I'm saying to you tonight is that the salvation plan is not an airline ticket. It's a birth certificate. We don't sprout wings till the rapture takes place. And until that day, you've got to live right. I said you've got to live right. There, there's no trumpet sound and then, oh, wait a minute, Lord, let me get ready. You've got to be ready when it sounds. You've got to be constantly prepared for the unpreparable. And the only way you can prepare for something that you can't be prepared for is just to live right. But come to church and do all these things and even teach Sunday school classes and be involved in super church and be in the choir and be a musician and do all these things. 
can't even preach. And if in your heart you're not faithful to God, it's all in vain. Jeremiah was disillusioned. He was disillusioned by simple things. It's simple things that trip us up. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know why it is, Bishop, but I've seen people conquer some of the most unconquerable things in their life only to turn around afterwards and walk away. I've seen young people come to this church. I've seen family come to this church. And, and, and get ridiculed by their family. I mean ridiculed by parents for coming to church and for, for wearing jeans and for dressing right and for singing in the choir and trying to serve God. Their families would rather them be on drugs. I've seen them be ridiculed only to whenever they grow up and they get out of their parents' house, walk away from it. Now, I'll never understand that, but that's disillusionment. And if you think that you're above that, you need to think again. Because self-righteousness will lead you down a path of destruction. When you think you don't need to pray. Come on now, we need to be real in this hour. We really need to be real because there's still hope. Jeremiah thought his neighbors were making a mockery of him. We worry way too much about what everybody else thinks. This side's worried about that side. That side's worried about this side. You, 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 <laughs> you notice when people come, and I'm, I, I'm, just stay with me here. Walk with me. A lot of times when people come up for worship, they stay on the side that they're accustomed to. Now, I'm not criticizing anybody. I just want to point out in our human nature, we often divide lines. We draw lines in our minds. Well, this is, this is where I'm accustomed to, so this is where I'm going to stay. Because we don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We don't want to get out of the place where that we're comfortable because if we do, that makes us uncomfortable, and I don't like being uncomfortable. Maybe it's the will of God for you to be uncomfortable. Just every once in a while. Some of the best Sunday school teaching I've ever done, Bishop, was right after I had everybody in class teach. Some of the best classes I've ever had was right after we took a series where everybody taught. But Terry, you remember that. That was years ago. A long time ago. Everybody in class took a week and taught. Then the week after that, man, I had everybody's attention. Because they knew what it felt like. They knew what it was like to stand up in front of everybody and, and every once in a while go, huh? There was less judgment cast. easy to coach the game from the side get yourself out on the court and do something it makes a difference we worry too much about what people think 
I would to God that people could be so comfortable in this church that they come in and they don't worry that anybody is talking about them. And they don't worry about what sister so-and-so thinks or what brother so-and-so thinks about their worship. Let, let me clue you in on something. You don't have to be completely right with God to worship. Now I know that goes against old school thought. Because old school way of thinking was if somebody comes in and they're not right with God and they're worshiping, we're thinking, well, what in the world are they doing? They haven't repented. Well, how do you know? I mean, seriously, how do you know? How do you know they haven't repented? That's judgment. And Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you meet is coming back on you. You don't have to be 100% right with God to worship. Saul wasn't. And all he had to do was get in the company of prophets. And not only did he worship, he prophesied. In the book of Acts, the book that we say has no ending, when they received the Holy Ghost, they turned around and prophesied. Now get a picture with me for just a moment. Because we're, we're all here tonight, and for the most part, we're, we're home church. We got, we got a, a slim crowd and a great God, and that's all right. But we're, we're just home church tonight, all right? So this is meat and potatoes preaching. So just imagine with me, and they can edit this out of the podcast if they want to, but just imagine with me that, that we get uh, some bubba come in here to church, and he's got a spike ring around his neck. He's got a mohawk on top of his head. He's got rings and rods coming out of everywhere. And everything but his eyeballs is tattooed. All right? Are you with me? He's got rings on every finger. He's got bracelets and chains. He's blinged out. And he comes in here and the power of God falls on him. And he receives the Holy Ghost and then he turns around and says, You're healed in Jesus' name. That's biblical. That's book of Acts. We don't see it because we look with our flesh. God sees it because he sees it through his eyes. That's book of Acts biblical. But if we're not careful, we would refuse our healing. Because we would say, well, that's not of God. He's not cleaned up yet. He still smells like liquor. How do I know that's of God? Is it really worth the risk? Telling you, we worry too much about what everybody else thinks. Sometimes not enough about what God thinks. Because when you think there's no hope, He still says there's hope. When you say there's no hope for that, I, I've been in the company of people and talked about certain people coming to church and saying, Well, I'll believe that when I see that. Seriously? And we're supposed to be Christians? We're supposed to be the chosen one? And we think God's so small that he can't get that person in church? If that's the very reason they're not here. Because we as the body of Christ aren't ready to receive them. But there's still hope. There's still hope. Everything is not bad. Everything is not gray. Everything is not black. 
Verse 19 and 20, he moves on and he says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance. He's remembering all the bad thing that's gone on. His grief has returned on every remembrance of his troubles. Wait just a minute. Because from verse 20 to verse 21, something happens. And I, I'm, I'm going to close here in just, just a few moments. I, I've preached long enough. But from verse 20 to verse 21, something happens. Because in verse 21, he says, This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. New logic and reasoning are coming into play. Jeremiah is now getting over his own self-indulgences. He's now getting over his own, uh, if we call it what it is, it's self-centeredness. Because all he's seeing is what he feels. Jeremiah now is recalling back to his heart some hope. Be careful who you complain to. Be careful when you reason with yourself that you need someone to confide in. Because not everything that happens in life needs to be talked about. Yeah. The statement, well, I need somebody to talk to is often a disguise for gossip. It's gossip in pretty clothes. There's a whole lot happens in my life I don't talk to anybody but my wife about. It doesn't leave my house. Because it's nobody's concern. And me telling them is not going to help them any. And if I'm going to tell anybody, it's going to be my pastor so he can pray for me. Because he's the one spiritually responsible for me. Be careful who you talk to. If I, if I, if I could be so forward tonight, as I guess I've come this far, I might as well not go back now. As to say, family. Well, that got quiet. That addresses a whole lot of people here tonight. Just because you're talking to family don't make it right. Some mothers and daughters need to disconnect the phone line from each other. Or fathers and sons or sisters, grandchildren. Just because you blood related doesn't give you a right to talk about somebody. If we want to be real godly about our lifestyle and our Christianity, don't talk about it. Well, I'm only talking about it because I'm concerned. You're talking to the wrong person. Talk to God. Talking to me is not going to help it. You know how you can gauge if it's gossip or not? If you're going to walk away from that conversation better than you were. Or if they're going to walk away better than they were. But if neither of you can have any influence on the discussion, you don't need to be talking about it. Well, amen. Again, we need to be careful with our feelings. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that that's the reality of the situation. We need to recall some things to our mind. I think we need to recall some past revivals. I think we need to daily recall some past prophecies. Not, not just collectively in this assembly, but there's some of you individually that's received some prophecies. At camp meetings gone by, 
I can quote some of them to some of you. Some prophecies that God has called you out of congregations and said, thus saith the Lord. We need to remember those things. We need to keep, well, it's 15, 20 years later and I still haven't seen it. I've still got hope. Brother DePriest, I've got things God told me when I was a teenager I still haven't seen, but I've still got hope. That doesn't make the Word of God no effect because I don't know what His timing is. I'm just assuming that by now I should have had it. We don't know that. We need to get some past victories in our mind, some past worship experiences in our mind. For verse 22, he says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. If you go back to verse 21 where he said this, there it is, this Jump to verse 22. This is the this. It is the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. Verse 23 says, They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God never fails. God never sleeps. He never gives up. He never stops loving you. No matter what your circumstances are tonight, He never gives up on you there's still hope. Verse 24 says, The Lord is my portion. Portion in this verse of Scripture means share. Share in the sense of something that is invested. Where the Lord is my investment, the Lord is my share. Remember, just a few moments ago, I told you, I cautioned you, because there's some who want favor without sacrifice. You need to make the Lord your portion. You need to invest in Him. Well, how do I invest in God? With your life. With your worship. Stand with me tonight. That'll make you feel better. Stand and stretch. Get ready for an altar service. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. To the soul that seeketh. Verse 26 closes by saying, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Quietly here is literally translated as abstaining from all complaining. It doesn't mean quiet in the sense of hushing. It means quiet in the sense of cautioning us on what subject matter to discuss. Brother Mason, life's not going too well. I still have hope. Things haven't turned out for me the way that I thought they would. I still have hope. Even when your decisions are the reason why you're in the shape you're in, there's still hope. This altar is open tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.